Good morning. I'll try and speak through the loudspeaker this time. The gospel, uh, the Bible passage is taken from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 to 13. Hebrews 12, 1 to 13. God disciplines his son is the title. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is disciplined? For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. Good morning. Um, I'm Annie, for those of you I haven't met before. Shall we pray before we dive into Hebrews? God, thank you that you are here with us already. And we pray that... Um, as we finish this series and, and delve into Hebrews this morning, that you would speak to us about what it means to fix our eyes on Jesus. Amen. 
Um, as David said, we come today to the end of our series looking at Hebrews. Um, so I thought I'd do a quick recap first and then um, we'll get into it. So what we know about the book of Hebrews already is that the author of the letter knows the people he's writing to really well. They're a church community who are facing persecution and even imprisonment for their faith in Jesus. And there are two main goals in Hebrews. Firstly, to lift Jesus up above anything or anyone else. And secondly, to challenge the reader to remain faithful to Jesus despite all the persecution and the opposition they're facing. And our sermon series at Greyfriars has focused on the ways in which Jesus and his sacrifice for us are far greater than all that's gone before us, all that's gone before us and all that lies ahead. And Hebrews is a book to make you feel uncomfortable, but not afraid. To show us that Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God's mercy and love for us. So if you've missed the series, or any of the series, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast and ask God to speak to you about Hebrews as you do so. But today we come to Hebrews 12, 1 to 13. And in chapter 11, the writer has talked about all the people who have gone before us, sharing stories of their incredible faith. People like Moses, Rahab, Abraham, Sarah, Joseph, and lots more, who accomplished much because they placed their trust in God. Their stories aren't ones without opposition, but they're stories of great faith in God. And chapter 12 begins with, therefore. And John Hudson last week, when speaking about Hebrews, talked about how the second half of chapter 10 begins with, therefore. Because of Jesus, because of his sacrifice, we can have faith. And chapter 12 begins with, therefore. Because of all of those who have gone before us, Because we're surrounded by others who know and love God, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's run the race and live lives of great faith too, just like those who have gone before. We're invited to run with perseverance towards Jesus because of him so that we become more like him. And so that's what I want to focus on today, that running with perseverance. Um, I don't know about anyone else, but for me... The analogy of running a race is actually one I find really hard to identify with. I'm glad that people maybe agree. Um, I've got flat feet and a bad back, so I'm not really made to run. Um, It's never really come very naturally to me. I tried the Couch to 5K app recently. Does anyone know what that is? Anyone done it? A few people. So it's an app that helps you basically get from not running at all to being able to run a 5K. Um, And in fact, it was only when I started looking at this passage to prepare this sermon that I realized I wasn't actually running anymore. I'd given up and not even noticed that I had. Um, So if I'm honest, the only reasons I've tried to get into running are because other people seem to like it. Like if you run, people generally talk about it and how much they like it. Um, If I'm more honest, it seems like the cool thing to do. Um, I haven't fixed my eyes on anything specific. I'm just giving it a go because I think I should. And... I'm not doing it with much perseverance at all. But the invitation in Hebrews to run with perseverance is different. It releases us of the pressure to run like someone else. And it invites us to find our own pace. Our goal isn't to run fast. Our goal is to finish strong. So we're invited to run the race because we love Jesus and we want to journey with him. Because he's gone before us and marked out the way. It's not a sprint. It doesn't happen overnight. And that can sometimes feel quite counter to our culture. 
A culture that says, if we're not racing through our days and working every second, if we're not surviving on very little sleep, then we're falling behind, or we might not be successful. A culture that says, that can lead us to rush through life, constantly thinking about what's next and not fully enjoying what's now. And that rush and that pressure don't get us further ahead. In fact, they can actually cause us to lose focus on what really matters. But when we run with perseverance, we don't have to get it all done today because it doesn't end today. Failure is part of the journey. Stumbling and enduring hardship is to be expected. It says so in this passage. It's not about who's faster, but it's about who's willing not to give up. In 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. (coughs) Paul was being persecuted, suffering. He's near death when he writes this. Yet he writes with certainty and boldness and courage. He's faced hardship, but he's finished his race. He's persevered and he had faith. God already knows what obstacles are in our way and that there will be obstacles. He knows what distractions are around us and how many times we've stumbled. He asks us to endure, to persevere. Some seasons will be fast and perhaps the race will feel easier and lighter. But some seasons will be slow and we'll feel the weight of persevering. But we're called to run our race with perseverance. So how do we do that? It's here in verse 2 where it says... By fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Jesus set the pace. He endured and he serves as a perfect example for us to endure the same. He experienced pain and suffering in the flesh just like we do. Like Jesus, we can throw aside the idea of finishing as fast as we can and we can stay committed to God's will, letting him lead us. I so often feel a pressure to speed life up, to get everything done, because it feels like there's so much to do, and to move on to the next task. And recently I wrote an article for an online magazine that was entitled, I took up journaling for a month and here's what I learned. And I learned a lot actually, but one of the big things I realised was that there were so many amazing things, both big and small, that were happening in my life, and they happened, but I just whizzed on by to the next thing. And only when I stopped and wrote them down did I notice and stop and take time to focus and thank God and refix my eyes on Jesus. I've always really loved this passage in Hebrews. I have memories of singing cheesy Christian children's songs all about the race we're running. But last week when I came to look at it again, I realized that maybe I've actually only really looked at it during the good or the easy weeks. If I'm honest, I sat down to look at it last week at a time where I was really struggling to fix my eyes on Jesus. Our our car broke down in the summer when we were on holiday and cost us a huge amount of money to fix. Um, But we needed to do it in order to actually get home from our holiday. And then two weeks ago, it broke down and cost us another very big sum of money. And then last week, having only been fixed a week before, 
um, it broke down again and I was in Swindon. And as it turns out, the RAC won't recover you if you pull into a garage, even though I literally broke down outside of a garage so it was the next turning, um, because they could technically fix it. Um, so there's a tip for you if you break down. Um, so it was going to cost us even more to repair. And at this point, we were going to spend far, far more than it was worth. Um, so I think I looked at this at the point our car was stuck in Swindon and we literally had no idea what we were going to do. Um, and I found that my eyes were slipping from Jesus and they were focusing elsewhere. I was feeling frustrated, hopeless, dwelling on decisions I'd made in the past to choose to follow God when I could have perhaps chosen to earn more money or live differently. And it took only moments for me to spiral into becoming unraveled and lost. I don't know if you've ever been physically lost. I've got a terrible sense of direction, so I've probably been lost more times than the average person. Um, but there's that moment, first of all, where you look back after you've wandered off a little and you think, it's okay, I still know where I am, I still know what everything is. But then you wander a little bit more and a little bit more, and all of a sudden, you look around and you have absolutely no idea where you are or how you got there. In the midst of my lostness, I found myself reminded of the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. In fact, I've had it playing on repeat in my head all week. And the start of that song goes, I'm not going to sing it, I'm just reading it. <laughs> Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And when I turned my eyes back upon Jesus, I found focus on him and not the hardship. I was reminded of all of his promises. I was reminded of this incredible community that we're part of because we know Jesus. And I was grateful for the way that they support us in the midst of hardship. I was no longer lost. John Hudson used an analogy last week about skydiving. Um, and when you go, you sit down, you get told everything that you need to know and all of the facts. And then you choose to jump. Although actually, I've been skydiving. And then you actually just sort of fall out the plane, but you're still choosing to do it. Um, and that shows that you have faith in everything that you've been told. If you don't jump, it's like saying, I've listened to all that and I haven't actually got the faith in what I've been taught. And I feel like this passage is the next step You've jumped, you've said, I believe all of that stuff, but now you've got to keep going, you've got to keep believing that you're safe, and that what you were told was true. You don't suddenly stop believing and start panicking, you keep your eyes fixed, you keep persevering. And when I skydived, it was a long time ago, but I found that when you're literally falling, it's the most incredible thing, and the only thing that I found I could do was be completely in awe of how much I could see below me. And I feel like that's the th it's, we want to be in that place where we're so fixed on Jesus, we're not even thinking about that stuff. We're just thinking there's nothing else I can do but believe in him. And the definition of perseverance is the continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. When we take our eyes off of Jesus and we give in to distraction or fear. It's like we put things in between us and him. And then we have to push through those things to get back to him so that we're walking with him again, connected, hand in hand. And it's not just those difficult things that can distract us from Jesus. Even the good things can become distraction. For example, when we're doing some kind of good works, 
perhaps relationships we're in or our own accomplishments, when those things become the main thing, they distract us from keeping our eyes on Jesus. We can still enjoy the good things, but if we fix our eyes on him, then just the slightest whisper from him is all it takes to attract our full attention. We can allow him to be constantly shaping our hearts. In verses 4 to 11, the author here talks about discipline and hardship. And the things I wanted to draw out of that bit of the passage are that he talks about how God treats us as children over and over again. Discipline is not punishment. It's training for our race. In Romans 5, 3 to 5, Paul talks about how through suffering we can learn perseverance, through perseverance, character, and character, hope. And it's all because of God's great love for us. And I don't know about what your relationship with your parents was like. I didn't always respect the way that my parents disciplined me at the time. But now I do, when I look back and I think about about it. Now I know exactly where I stand with them. I know what they value. And I might still sometimes disagree with how they did it. But I know they did it for my good in order to build a relationship with me. Just as I do with my kids now. And just as God does for us. So that we may share in his holiness. As human parents, we will probably, definitely, get discipline wrong. But God in his perfection doesn't. It might seem unpleasant even painful, but later it produces righteousness and peace. It trains us, it draws us closer into relationship with him. I know that God taught me, and I'm sure will continue teaching me through our whole car saga. It wasn't punishment, but he used it to show me that I was his child, that he loved me, that I can rely on him and that he is always good in spite of everything else that might be going on. When we embrace the discipline, we get to move towards greater intimacy with God. We're already his children. We don't have to strive to achieve that. We're on a journey with God, an endurance race. And if we embrace the training, the discipline, we don't become more his children. We become more like him, more like Jesus. And finally, the, the last few verses, verses 12 and 13 can be easy to skip over in this passage. And I I love how they read in the message version, where it says, So don't sit around on your hands, no more dragging your feet. Clear the path for long-distance runners, so no one will trip and fall, so no one will step in a hole and sprain an ankle. Help each other out and run for it. I don't like running. I think I like running alone even less. But we're not alone. We run this race together, spurring each other on, helping each other up if we fall, persevering together. So I wonder, what does your race look like today? Where are your eyes fixed at this moment? We're going to move as response in a bit into communion, but I've asked Pete to come and and just lead us for a bit, because I wanted to just create some space for us just to sit and focus on Jesus and figure out where we're at. So Peter's going to lead that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And I'll pray in a moment, but I'd love for you just to use that time in whatever way will help you to connect with God now. So if you just want to sit and listen, um, sit and pray or sing, 
please just see that. I'll pray for us and then we'll let, I'll let Pete lead. Jesus, thank you that you have gone ahead of us. That you know where we're at. That you know how we feel. And we pray this morning that we would hear from you as we sit and spend time with you, God. And that you would help us to fix our eyes upon you. And to continue our race with perseverance. about that last part of that passage there's something powerful about the fact we're all sat here together part of people running that race um, maybe if you if you want to I want to pray but I just want to give us time together to commit to persevering together as we choose to turn our eyes upon Jesus um, so I might pray and then Pete if you just sing it a couple more times but if you want to turn to the person next to you and pray with them if that's going to help you just sort of commit to that perseverance this morning (coughs) God I thank you that you are here with us and I pray particularly for anyone this morning who realised that they are finding it hard to fix their eyes upon you Jesus 
And I thank you that we are part of a community that by being here, that we're together, Lord. I thank you that we're part of your family, that we're your children. Lord, this morning I pray that we would just feel extra committed to, um, to loving each other through hardship and to helping each other fix our eyes upon you as we run this race together. God, I pray that those things of earth that for us feel that they're not dim, that they're getting in the way of us fixing our eyes on you, Lord, that you would help those things to fade. Lord, that as we leave here, that you would be the one thing that our mind is fixed on. Amen. Amen.